Welcome to the Connect the Dots podcast. Jeffrey Klein has conversations with a diverse array of successful people, sharing their stories to educate, inspire, and entertain. Here is your host, Jeffrey. My guest today is Mahe Drysdale, a retired New Zealand rower. Drysdale is a two-time Olympic champion and a five-time world champion in single skulls. He's a seven-time New Zealand national champion and a five-time recipient of New Zealand Sportsman of the Year. Mahi took took up rowing during the 90s, excelling at canoe polo to such a degree that he represented New Zealand at various youth levels. He took a break from competing to pursue his studies, but was lured back to the water after witnessing the Olympic victory of his compatriot, Rob Waddell, in the single skulls in Sydney 2000. Following in the footsteps of his role model, He decided to focus on single skulls, and in 2008, the New Zealand carried his country's flag at the opening ceremonies of the Beijing Olympic Games. He was a favorite to win the single skulls gold, but unfortunately struck with an illness that run up to the final that considerably weakened him, resulting in his struggle, though he still landed a bronze medal. Subsequently, continued to record impressive results, and despite a cycling accident six weeks prior to the start of the London Olympics, In 2012, he engaged in an epic battle, winning by 1.55 seconds and fulfilling his dream of Olympic gold, his first Olympic gold. Please welcome Mahe. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, And I know there's more more to your story, but I thought I would end it there and we'll learn more of how you got there and and since then. Um, I start with a real simple one. So where were you born and what did your parents do for a living? Um, so I was, I was born in Australia, uh, in Melbourne, um, and both my, my parents were teachers, um, but uh, they were actually opal miners um, before before they, they had me. So, And so growing up in Melbourne, did you, uh, if someone were to ask the, your six-year-old self, kind of like, what do you want to be when you grow up, what would you have said? Um. Yeah, I, I think my six-year-old self, I probably wouldn't have known, um, you know, what I was what I was wanting to do. It probably changed every day. I think uh, for me, uh, 1988 Olympics was was kind of the first time I really ever dreamed of being an Olympian, um, and and that's where sort of I guess the the dream started. Uh, unfortunately, by the time I sort of got through university and started my working career, I, I thought my dream was gone because I was uh, good at everything but not great at anything. Uh, yeah, as uh, they say, the uh, jack of all trades, master of none is often the expression. Right. Uh, and I'm fairly well rounded, so I've, I've come across that from time to time. Like, I should have just focused on one thing. So, um, when you were growing up, did you look up to a role? I mean, obviously, the Olympics, and, and you found someone that was kind of role. Was there any other role models when you were growing up? Um, I think again, uh, you know, had various, um, iterations of, of people. Um, yeah, I think my grand, my granddad. It was a big, um, you know, part of my life. He was actually a businessman, and uh, you know, had a lot of time uh, with him, and and learnt a lot from him. Um, and you know, that that first inspiration, what I do remember, even as a as a sort of uh, what nine year old kid, was um, Carl Lewis. Um, you know, and that's I guess what I always wanted to be was a sprinter, but I was never going to get there with the speed I had. So, um, you know, it was, and then sort of as as life went on, you know. Sir Edmund Hillary, um, he was, I read a lot of his books and, you know, he's obviously a New Zealand hero and, um, you know, learned a lot from him and, and then, you know, various people, th- uh, throughout from, from there, um, you know, both sporting and, and non-sporting. Uh, 
So a mountain climber was that in the, in the cards you're thinking about maybe trying to you know. Uh, I, I think uh, like from, from I, I love autobiographies. It's pretty much all I read, um, and it's it's more learning about what they do and how they're successful than than the actual pursuit. Um, you know, so as I say, it was quite random. Uh, you know, from from business leaders to sports people to you know mountain climbers. Um, but it's it's trying to get that that under underlying. You know, what were the keys to their success and and trying to apply that to my life. But I'm looking for a pen to make a note about that because, in fact, that's part of what I'm trying to do with all the people, these amazing guests I've had is talk about, you know, not only the specific of being this type of person, but what, what are the keys to success? So I'll be asking you about that in, in shortly. Um, and then how did you how did you decide, well, what did you kind of discover? Like, I'm I'm good at rowing, you know, and this is something I can, you know, when did that start and how did how do you go? Oh. This could be my yeah. way. Um, I'm probably a probably a very different story to to anyone else, and um, the the reason that I got into to rowing uh, in particular was uh, because I wanted to go drinking at the university tournament down in Dunedin, <laughs> and you know th these are big events. Um, everyone that I knew that had been said, you know, you've got to go to the Easter tourney. It's it's awesome. You basically go and have a party for five days. You do some sport on the side. Um, you know, get along. So, so really, you're like, an Olympic a, drinker who happens to be a rower. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, this was uh, I was 18 years old, and and yeah, that was pretty much my sport. I think at that time was was drinking. Um, and. You know, so so I was like, great, and look for sports. Rowing was the only one that had a novice division. So that meant you didn't have to have done any rowing uh, to make the team to get to Easter Tawny. It was just the eight guys that wanted to go kind of went. So, you know, we went along and we had an absolute ball of a time. Um, you know, it was it was fantastic. The drinking was a highlight. The rowing was a low light. Um, <laughs> we were always hung over and it was, and we we just, we were terrible to be fair. I think we finished second to last in one race and missed the other. So it wasn't wasn't a, a great start. But, you know, that was really the start of it. And then something about it just sort of hooked me. And suddenly I was rowing, you know, every Saturday and Sunday. And then I was rowing five days a week. And then I was rowing six days a week. And um, I did that for a few years, kind of got through it. And, yeah, as you sort of mentioned um, in my bio, like I gave up because it just – it was just too hard and I, I wasn't really making the progress that I, I needed to make. And then, um, you know, watching Rob Waddell kind of inspired me to come back and, you know, just to put that in context, context, I was a club rower. I was, you know, like two grades below the, the highest level. So I really had no um, right or um, uh, ability to believe in myself that I could actually be an Olympic rower, but, I just thought, no, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go give it a crack. I'm a big guy. Let's see what happens. And um, yeah, really went from there. I guess I had a little bit of luck in my career and the fact we had no one come back from from Sydney. Um, so, you know, they were pretty desperate for people and they literally picked me off the street. Um, you know, as I said, I was, I was a club rower, not, you know, there was a seniors and premiers ahead of me. Um, they looked at me, my size and said, look, we'll give you a crack. So, you know, that's that's basically where it started. Um, gave me an opportunity to move to Cambridge and become part of the team. And, um, and and it just really grew from there. And how much hard work? I mean, I can only, you know, I, I was friends with um, an Olympian um, in water polo. And um, the incredible amount of effort it must take to be 
good just to compete at the Olympic level, let alone succeed. Um, how, you, here you are, a club rower, and now you're on the Olympic team. How much of a wake-up call was that? Like, oh, uh, this is going to be a little harder than I thought. Or, you know, it was it was a very big shock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like rowing, rowing is hard, and and even as a club rower, you know, we were we were training, you know, nine, ten sessions a week. So that's just just it's a brutal sport, and it's not something you do socially. Um, and then going into the New Zealand team, you're, you're now full time, um, which means the Less hours. Less drinking, are, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. There's no drinking. More rowing, less drinking. Yeah, which probably good for my health. Um, not quite so fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's then it becomes you know like all consuming. Your your six days a week, eleven months a year. You know, two to three sessions every day. So so that was really the the um you know the the system I went into. Uh, it was tough those first few years. It was just about survival. Um, you know, trying to get through your spending most of your time off the water with physios and masseuses trying to you know get your body back ready to go for it again so you know it is it is really tough and um yeah it's it's something though that was that, there uh, any element of fun in there Did, you know I must have enjoyed it enough to put in that you know incredible wow it's it's <laughs> it's an interesting one like the the training is not fun um you know it's it's brutal and I, I never really enjoyed it until my later years and and I guess then I appreciated it more um but there's something so you and you know racing is is literally about as mo the most pain you can put yourself through so I don't know why we do it but there's something that hooks you and and takes you back and I I really like the fact that you know the harder you work the better you got and it's it's very much that in rowing um there's very little natural talent required um it's just about are you prepared to you know put yourself through through the ringer and you know turn up every day and, and push yourself to your limits and if you can do that um you'll become a pretty good row it's interesting uh my daughters play competitive volleyball uh on a club and the, the motto of the club was work hard get better which i thought was really you know like it's going to be hard work, but you'll get better. And, you know, what you put into it, you get out of it. And I think, uh, but there were, there, was there not moments when you're, you know, in, you're involved in this going, I should just stop. This is too, this is, I don't six days a week and I'm sore all the time. Was there not a moment you're like, it's not worth it. Oh, there's, there's plenty of moments like that. <laughs> and uh, there's sometimes weeks and even months that you're going, why am I doing this? But um, yeah, I think, you know, you, you always had that goal at the end and I knew where I wanted to go. And I knew that, that this was just part of that process. You had to put yourself through this um, to, to get to where you wanted to be. So, you know, that was just, just part and parcel with, with success. And um, thankfully, I guess, you know, through, through the training, you know, improved, you know that that initially you improve really quickly, and so it's it's quite rewarding, and you can see mm. the you can see those big jumps, and you're like, wow, you know this is this is going great. You know, like that that first um, kind of six months in the team, I took uh, uh, 28 seconds off my erg time. Wow, you know, right. so you kind of like yeah, that's over a, a sort of six minute period. You're kind of like you know, that is, that is massive. And then, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's six months and you're like, wow. You know, and then it took me, uh, what, three years to go another two seconds. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it sort of grabs you initially and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, you know, you're, you're just looking for fractions kind of after that. 
So with this sport, you've traveled lots of places. You've probably met lots of interesting people. Where's a place that you were kind of surprised, either a place you'd be or a person you'd be talking with in your career? Um, oh, I, I think like one of my favorite places to to train was was Bohin in Slovenia. Um, you know, we just just absolutely loved uh, that. It's it's just this sort of uh, dead end road at, at, and this lake at the end of it. Um, it's magic. And, you know, every time we're there, you sort of just felt, um, you know, so lucky to to be a part of it and you just you know in this this beautiful place in the middle of summer and it's winter and cold at home and you know thinking <laughs> yeah life's pretty good um as i got older you know started doing a lot more cycling so you're out in the mountains it's it's just yeah it's just amazing um you know i've met some some fantastic friends uh through rowing which is is great and you know i really love going and traveling um you know staying in in your mates houses and you live you know, like, um, you know, you, you live your life as if, you know, so one of my mates is, is Norwegian, Olaf Tofta, and, you know, you go and live with him and you live his life for a week or whatever you're there and you actually appreciate what it's like to be a Norwegian rather than be a tourist in Norway kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and um, no, I really, really love that. And, and you know, really happy to, of all the, the friendships that I've made over the years. Um, you know, some of my best mates are, are the guys I competed against, which is, um, you know, pretty awesome. And what's the, I know you married an Olympic rower. So that was, yep. that also helped in terms of your overall, you know, um, strategy for, for why rowing will be a good thing. Um, is that, is she competitive with you about, you know, when you were both in the rowing space? And I mean, obviously, don't compete against each other, but in your divisions and things like that. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, good question. So absolutely. When, when we're training, so we trained together, um, you know, from sort of 2004 right through to uh, 2012 when she retired and um, you know, twice a week we compare each other, um, you know, across the whole team. Uh, we have what we call a prognostic sheet. Um, <laughs> so we do a, a, a distance um, which is timed and then that's converted into a percentage of, of the world record. Oh um, and so then you can you can compare like a single to a woman's pair to a mm -hmm. men's eight, you know, because you're just you're looking at a percentage of the world best time. So, you know, that's that's what we used to do on a Wednesday and a Saturday. So, yeah, absolutely. There's there's some competition and the loser was doing the dishes for um, for the <laughs> week. So. Yeah, uh, um, well, it's one way to resolve conflict, I suppose, uh, and get yeah. things done. But I think, you know, she's, she's been fantastic, um, you know, just understanding exactly what mm -hmm. it takes. And even after she retired, you know, and we had kids, um, you know, just knowing that if I got up and got woken up by the kids in the night, I was going to be useless and probably pretty grumpy later in the week. So, you know, she took a lot of the slack and, and um, helped me out. And, you know, I guess my my payback was during the day, we, we used to have quite a lot of time between sessions as, as recovery, and I could take care of her babies as uh, she rested. So. Yeah, um, that's, it's really important that someone understands when you're doing something that requires that much effort. And I'm assuming, you know, you both had this goal and you, you had the, the experience, the shared experience to understand um, what you're going through. Um, so I, I said in your bio, kind of that story about the fact that you were kind of on your way to gold and then, you know, you got sick and didn't happen. And then, um, and then again, you seem to have an incident before, before um, Beijing, was it Beijing? Um, before London, the, yeah. Sorry, before London. Um, yeah. 
talk me through like you know one of the things that I'm, I'm fascinated by the olympics um and for me you know getting gold seems like the ultimate uh you you know you have that goal for, for everyone a lot of athletes have that goal what's it like to achieve it how how did it change things for you once i mean you got the first one and then was the second one less you know significant or what's the what's the olympic gold experience like yeah um it's yeah it's it's interesting and um you know probably just to take you back to that uh to beijing and i think you know that to me was a, a massive learning um because you know i i went in there as the favorite three-time world uh uh world champion um you know world best time holder and i got sick um during the olympics and you know that was absolutely brutal um but man did it teach me a lesson and um you know the olympics and and why it is so hard to succeed there is you have to perform at a given time on a given day um you know one day in four years and you have to be at your best there's there's just no excuse <laughs> you know and and i i wasn't you know and yes was it caused by me well no but i, I wasn't and you know, I, I, I'm very proud of that bronze medal because I have, until this day, I've never raced as hard as I did in Beijing. Um, you know, I was, I was literally carried off the water and, you know, I've never been to that, that place before. Um, and, and never really ever want to go there again. It's, um, <laughs> you know, it's not somewhere you want to go. So I know that there was nothing more I could have given on that day. Right. Um, but, I didn't come away with the the prize that I wanted, which was the gold medal. And and so, you know, it was it was sort of that bittersweet. I was I was proud of what I achieved, but disappointed to not achieve. Um, but that really gave me um some food for thought and it changed, I guess, my mentality. And the hardest thing for me, I guess, coming out of that experience was I realized up until that point I was doing enough to win. But I could have been better than I was, you know, because I had settled for first place and winning and I hadn't actually pushed myself to the utmost degree. And, you know, those, those times when it was hard, I, I didn't, you know, probably switch on and, and push through it. And, you know, when things were going well, I didn't, I didn't sort of push myself even harder than I could. And, you know, that showed up that, you know, had I been at a hundred percent, I probably would have won in Beijing, but you know, at 96%, I couldn't right. win, you know, I wasn't good enough. And, you know, that was, that was, again, it was hard to take, because I could look myself in the mirror and say, well, you know, you screwed that up. Um, you know, had you done those things every day, you probably would have overcome that illness and still won. Um, but it was also exciting, because it gave me a catalyst and was like, oh, man, I'm I'm the best in the world. You know, I have been for, for three years, obviously lost. That's my my only major race I'd lost up until that point was Beijing. Um, and if I actually, but I can actually be better. So, you know, straight away that next year, I took another two seconds off the world best time. Um, you know, things just just went fantastically. And and you know, ultimately, you you mentioned I had a bike crash six weeks before the Olympics, going into London, and you know, you just kind of think, oh man, like Here we you know, go again. yeah, <laughs> you know, this is this is just not meant to be, is it? But you know, I think because of that Beijing experience and because mm -hmm. of those changes I'd made, um, you know, I could overcome 
that injury and and get through that and and still be good enough to win in London. You know, I wasn't at a hundred percent in London, but I was I was still good enough to to do the business. And you know, that was a a, a harsh life lesson would have been nice to learn it without having to take a bronze medal and you know I could be a three-time uh, Olympic champion but um, you know that's that's the 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 crack and you know maybe had I won in in Beijing um, you know I may not have won those those other two so right. you know it's it's sort of a it's a, a sort of an interesting one and then you know getting into London you know actually going and and knocking that off that was you know fantastic and you know, it was, um, I, I guess I, I crossed that finish line, you know, the initial sort of reaction and, and the feeling you have was just relief. You know, it's like, I've achieved this, this goal, I've achieved this, this dream. Um, and then, you know, probably half a second later, then the elation sort of kicks in and um, it certainly didn't take any time to sink in. I knew exactly what I'd done and, and how good it was. Um, you know, in my own mind, it was, you know, it was, it was just achieving that sort of dream that I'd, I'd had all my life and, and done it. And, you know, just, just going back to that. So I missed out on, on Tokyo and, and I, I watched all of Tokyo and I had been so involved and in the middle of it, it wasn't until I was watching that I actually realized how hard an Olympic gold medal is to win, you know, because it was just my life. I'm like, you know, I, I go right. into the Olympics, I expect to win. Um, obviously I didn't in Beijing, but I did in London, I did in Rio. And it's like, well, you just set a goal and you just do it, you know? And it wasn't until I was actually watching from the outside going, man, like, you know, there's, you know, there's people catching crabs. Um, there's, you know, people getting sick with COVID at, at Tokyo and you kind of go, man, like, everything has to line up and you have to then go and, and perform on the day. And, you know, you can't do that without being in a position to win by the time you get to the Olympics. Um, yeah. But you've got to be in a position to win and then go and execute on the day for it all to happen. And, you know, that's, that's a lot harder, I think, than most people um, actually understand. Um, because as I said, it's about performing at that one day in a four year period. And, and, you know, you've got to front up and do it. I'm I'm curious because a lot of athletes talk about, you know, the discipline and the physical stuff that they have to do. But I'll, I think what I've heard athletes at the, the the level you operate at, a lot of it is also mental. How much of of mental toughness and mindset do you think is involved in being successful? Oh, I think, yeah, like it's it's a it's a hard one because you can't have one without the other. Um, but I think if you say you know, you take the physical stuff for granted because that's what the training's doing, right. you know. Um, so you line up in the Olympic final, there's six guys um, sitting on that start line that are all of a very similar level. Um, you know, probably for me personally, you know, I had I had some assets, um, you know, massive VO2 max, um, you know, massive engine, um, you know, I wasn't the strongest athlete in the field. So everyone's got sort of little differences, but ultimately physically every six of those guys could win that race. You know, they're, they're capable so, physically of doing it. So what's you the know, difference in that, respect, in that two seconds. <laughs> yeah. So in that respect, it's all mental, um, you know, is, is the execution is all mental. Um, and, you know, obviously you, you can't do it without that physical and, and that training, but um, actually executing is is all about the the mental 
stuff. And interestingly, a lot of my mental strength and, and stuff came from the training. Um, you know, we had Dick Tonks as our coach and, and, you know, he taught me more than any psychologist could ever teach me about pushing me to my limits and beyond my limits and uh, understanding what you could and couldn't survive. And, you know, the human body is pretty amazing at, at just, you know, coming back and doing it all over again. It's interesting. I think it occurred to me that to be an Olympic athlete, you need to have all those physical uh, attributes. To be a champion, you have to have the mental you know agility yeah, or, absolutely. You know, toughness and, um yeah if someone says you know you because you didn't start rowing till relatively later in life considering you know i have uh, my daughters have a friend who's been training for you know olympic gymnastics since he was like three or four you know like some people start if someone was like i really want to I, I think i would be you know want to try and aspire to be at that level what what kind of advice would you would you give someone who's like thinks they want to be an olympic athlete um yeah I, I think it's it's you know you've got to have the passion for what you do because it is hard and you know you you then you know need to set those goals kind of break them down into into sort of achievable little chunks um and then just just go out and work your butt off to to achieve them and you know you, you're going to have to keep um you know as you go you're going to have to keep sort of reassessing and and figure out where you're going but um, you know, it, it is all about hard work. I guess for me, you know, I'm actually pretty comfortable starting where I did. Um, you know, by starting at 18 years old, um, it, it got me through to, to 43. And um, in the sport of rowing, you know, probably 28 to, to 35 is your real peak. So, you know, I, I hit that period, you know, at the, the right time when I was I was ready to win. So, you know, like if I had a start at 13, um, you know, I That'd may have early. missed some of those, <laughs> right. those later years because I would have had enough of it. So, yeah, like I, I think that's and it's it's just trying to figure out in your sport and not all sports are like that. You know, there's not many swimmers that are over 25 years old, <laughs> um, you know, so, yeah, I, I think it's right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just trying to trying to, um, you know, judge that. And and uh, but, you know, it's 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 just most of most of it is about that hard work and dedication um you know just just having those little goals and just chipping them off every day by most measures you are a super successful athlete how does mahe define success um yeah and that's that's a, a great question for me um it's just giving your best so you know, like that is success for me. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's, there's sort of certain moments in, in my career that maybe I was winning, but, you know, I, I, it wasn't, wasn't my best. And, and, you know, you, that to me was, was things that you're actually disappointed in. And, you know, and I guess that's, yes, I'm disappointed obviously in the result from Beijing, but, you know, I know that that was, all I could give and and when you do that you know it, it's it's easy to sleep at night um it's it's the ones that you lose that you you didn't quite apply yourself that they're the hardest to take um you know because because you've left something out there so you know and that's that's throughout my my whole life if if you give it your all in in whatever you do you know you have to walk away satisfied with the result and you know if it, it wasn't the result you wanted well then you've got to 
you know, break that down and say, okay, how, how do I do it next time that, that I don't, I don't fail again. And, um, you know, that's, that's really, I, I guess the, the key to me and, um, you know, how I've, how I've kind of lived my life. And I think to achieve things of that success, you know, giving your best is really important. Having that dedication is really important. Uh, but I think sometimes you have, you know, you talked about passion and I think about, you know, you have to be motivated or inspired. So, so what inspires you? Yeah, and I, I think that that is what I yeah, that is what I consider passion. Without mm. passion, you don't get out of bed every day. You know, um, you know, passion gets you out of bed, and and then you know, then it's about going and and you know, going through that process. I guess I guess to achieve. And um, you know, what is what is that passion? Uh, where is that driven? Um, you know, for me, I just you know, and and, and as, as I said, I, I didn't really enjoy training early on in my career. And it wasn't until later that I, I appreciated it. I was appreciated, you know, how lucky I was to be doing something that I loved every day, um, even though I didn't necessarily love it every day. Um, you know, but but when you look back, you go, man, that was that was pretty awesome. And you know, my job was to to be fit and be, you know, one of the the um, you know fittest athletes in the world. So you know, that was that was pretty cool. Um, you know, when when you sort of broke it down, you thought, okay, that's that's a, that's a pretty cool lifestyle. So you know, it is it is looking at those um, the positives, looking at at the things that um, help help you you know get you out of bed every morning help you go and push yourself on a daily basis and if you are lacking that it's it's trying to find the little triggers that maybe do and you know for me that was sometimes watching watching one of my races mm-hmm. um and depending on when it was whether it was one to try to inspire you from a good good race or from the opposite where you had a bad race and, <laughs> and feel that hurt um because you know you you it hurts to lose and and sometimes that's enough to say okay well I don't want to go through that process and you know after so 215 I lost a very very tight race at the world champs um to Andre Sinek and um there's a great photo of us uh, approaching the finish line and you know so that was up on my wall uh Ooh. for a year and I looked at that photo every single day and that was one of the the catalysts like you know I don't want to be in that position again um you know, I want to want to turn it around in in Rio. Amazing. What do you think is next? Do you think into or trending in terms of for the sport of rowing? Yeah, I think we're going through a very uh, interesting time in sport. Um, you know, in in the world, um, and you know, it's going to be it's going to be a, an interesting to see how it all sits. And you know, there's there's a lot around. Um, you know, I guess I guess welfare and 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 well-being of athletes um you know and and it's a it's a it's a moment in time i guess i think you know ultimately as a high performance athlete success is is what you're after you know that is that is always going to be key and it's performing and it's it's winning and and you know that is but you know as as i said before it's it's doing your best and and whatever that result is um but you know i do think there is a um an argument that we we can we can uh, I guess approach that winning, but also look after our athletes better. And I think that's you know that's what well-being is to me. It's just mm. it's just treating them with more respect. Um, unfortunately, in high-performance sport, people aren't going to make it, and it's not for everyone. Right. And you know you're going to spit people out along the way, um, but it's managing that, communicating with them, 
you know, people shouldn't be surprised when they're dropped, um, you know, because they should have seen it coming because they've been they've been told that that's where they sit. You know, if you're sort of at the moment, you're not making the team. You've got three months until the trials. You know, you've got to you've got to pick it up and you've got to you've got to change something else. Else you're not on the team. That's the that's clock a, doesn't lie. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, then then it's in their power to actually do something. Um, it's when you don't have those conversations, and then they go, "What do you mean I dropped? You told me uh, a week ago I was so good." You know, like, and it's it's just having those that honesty and and communication. I think is is a big key to to this well being. Um, yeah, and, and the thing as well, we, we've got to we've got to look at some of these systems and um you know where funding and and money is going um you know because athletes generally uh aren't aren't looked after um as well as as a lot of the administrators are definitely not on the olympic side you know professional sports in america some of them are i think overpaid so we have a whole conversation yeah. <laughs> and when i heard i heard a commentary talking about a, a, an american football player and they're like yeah, we'll resign him, but you know we won't want to pay him more than ten million a year for four years. And I'm like, oh my god, what are you doing? Like, uh, there's lunacy over here with with, with some of that. Uh, Mahe, what about you? What's kind of next for you? You are you officially? You it sounded like you retired. Yes, yeah, now... so I, I retired. Um, yeah, six weeks before uh, Tokyo, um, and I, I took six months off um, just to be with a family and and sort of you know, try to assess what was next. And um, I've gone into financial advisory. So mm. I'm now a, uh, a financial advisor and, and working in that field. So yeah, it's been um, a, a, a really interesting year, I guess, with what's happening with the economy around the world. Um, hey, it's, you know. it's actually a good time to invest. It's all, you know, it's coming down, it's got to go back up. So absolutely. And, and yeah, it's, I've really enjoyed that just completely different challenge every day. You know, now I come home mentally tired rather than physically tired. Um you know, are, just, you just are you still rowing? You still row for recreation? No. <laughs> or not, not even for for fun. I guess if you no. didn't find the training fun, it wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I haven't. I haven't sort of uh, got that bug yet. I, I did actually go to the World Champs. Uh, we raced a five hundred meter race uh, with all my uh, main rivals uh, from the last sort of twenty years. Um, you know, that was a, a lot of fun. Um, the racing was miserable, and I didn't enjoy it. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, about coaching is that i mean again on a lot of people who retire from athletics end up going to be still be involved in the sport of coaching or some other is, is that something you think you might do at some point uh not at the moment um yeah like i, I sort of just want to step away a bit you know have a bit of time I, I think you know you you need to have that um just for some sanity you know um mm -hmm. i know one way but you know like to go and, and learn some some things from the world a, a bit more and then you know, potentially give back in, in the future. But, you know, I, I think um, we're just, we're talking about that physicality and stuff. And, you know, you've got six guys lining up on the line. I, I certainly learned if you haven't done the work, you can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was a, a good lesson of of that training was worthwhile because when you showed up, you actually did enjoy it and, and uh, you know, you could, could go and execute, which I, I certainly couldn't um, after a year of not doing anything. So, you know, that was that was a, a good sort of lesson, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I won't say never, but um, I love the, I love the sport and and I love uh, you know, I, I guess uh, giving back. But um, at the moment, yeah, just just trying to to get my um, you know doing something different. Um, you know, yeah. think about something different for a while, and then we'll we'll reassess as as we go. 
I love it. Uh, I think it's, you know, they say people have multiple careers and I think it's really nice. You focus on something, it's been really rewarding and now you're looking to, you know, explore and develop and, and do something that's new and different. And uh, I think it's what keeps us active and, and, you know, you did the same thing all the time, forever and ever, at least myself, I, I might, I might finally say, is there something different, you know? Um, and it's never too young to, to switch. I think that's what, you know, I've, I, I've switched careers from time to time and it's, uh, I think trying to enjoy what it is you're whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, and no, I think you know that that was that was really great from my perspective is having that six months out because you know I could mm -hmm. just really you know just say okay, one part of my life, one career is done, you know, sort of sign off. Um, mm -hmm. And what's the next challenge? What what is it that is going to give me the passion to get out of bed and and um, you know do it? And and I've found the transition to be incredibly easy i know a lot of athletes struggle but um you know it was very easy just to sort of put a line under what i'd done and said that was great that was my you know my life up until 43 years old and um you know what's my life from from 43 onwards and um you know it's it's been been you know I've, i really have genuinely enjoyed it and it's uh you know easy to get out of bed and uh and go to work because uh you know there's a new challenge on the horizon well, as my dad says, he's 82 and he says, I'm still waiting to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So I think there's, <laughs> you know, there's always You're time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've got a few rapid fire questions that sometimes go rapid and sometimes don't. So here we go. Uh, if a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh, that's a, uh, an interesting one. Um, I see Chris Hemsworth. I don't know why, but. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I, well, the actors I love, you know, love like a, a Robert De Janeiro. I don't, I don't know if he's. Um, he can do anything. He's that good. He's that good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty obsessed with stories. Should stories always have happy endings. Uh no. And but there's a redemption story. We'll go there. Uh, do you have a favorite emoji? um probably smiley face like to be That's happy positive. yeah <laughs> yeah uh can you name a favorite song uh oh one of my favorites would be uh eminem um yeah one or uh lose yourself mm -hmm. my, there was a period of time where my son was listening to that every morning that woke him up yeah like several weeks it's a great song it's a great just it's a great song um yeah, i listened to that before any of my big races it was always awesome. you know just the the words are, are very resounding mm -hmm. to you know that that sort of one moment one opportunity so um do you have a favorite social media platform um i'll probably changed over years probably instagram now enjoy that and can you name a book that left a lasting impression on you? You see a lot of biographies. Yeah, I think um, Sir Edmund Hillary, A View from a Summit. That was. Uh, and then what about a favorite movie? Probably a De Niro. Uh, favorite movie? One of. One of. I think Pulp Fiction's right up there. Oh, I love that. Younger athlete used to love uh, used to love Top Gun as well. It's mm. nice to see that come out too. Yeah, great sequels, amazing. Uh, is there anything you can't live without? Uh, ice cream. 
favorite flavor? Got a follow-up question. Oh, oh no, pretty much any ice cream is good ice cream. <laughs> um, and if you could be credited with inventing something, what would it be? Um, oh, I think... Probably uh, a cure for depression would be pretty good. Well, it's funny because my thought was uh, ice cream that never, never, you know, like the everlasting, everlasting gobstocker version of ice cream, which I think <laughs> would also be a cure for depression because if the ice cream never ran out. But yeah. Um, so, is there is there anything you've been giving us of your time? Is there anyone, if someone wanted to, you know, learn more about you or was interested in finding out more about your story? Where would you kind of direct them to do that? Um, I think, yeah, probably onto the internet. Uh, I've got a, a web a web page, uh, mahe um, dot kiwi. So that's a a pretty good good place to start. Um, yeah, and you know, it's uh, always always happy to to talk and and chat. Well, I am thrilled that we made this happen. I really appreciate your time. And, and sharing, you know, giving us kind of a look behind the curtain of what it, what it's like to achieve, you know, a gold medal, which is incredible. Uh, and I know that in the next, you know, this is up to year 43. I'm very excited to see what you do from year 43 to 80s. Um, but most of all, I, I want to thank you so much for helping us connect the dots. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, enjoyed uh, being on with you this morning. Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.